What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 30 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller. Greg, yeah. what was that face for? Which one? I don't know. You just gave me a face. I was just shaking my. I was just. I was getting into the moment mm. where I was like, mm-hmm. and I was like, into I it. Put my phone down. I was sending. I was done, and then you had me send your thing to you. That's what I sent. I did that. I trapped you. Oh, you got oh, trapped, Greg. Double Jeopardy, starring oh, Jennifer Lopez. God. So we've been doing a lot of stuff. Yesterday we recorded a Game Over Grady show with uh, Gary Witta. Yeah, which was it was good. awesome. Brought a lot of British snacks. Oy! Couldn't stop thinking about them all night. It was a good. Gary Witta. Yeah. I couldn't I, stop thinking about Gary Witta. Me neither. Yeah. I watched Columbo because of him. I feel like everyone did, except for me. The you're one person a, that needed to. Jerk. I'm a useless piece of garbage, Greg. No, that's Kevin. Oh, sorry. I'm taking your, your job, Kevin. Fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> now what are you going to do, Kevin? Yeah. Um, so I feel like we we have a lot of Patreon people to thank at some point. We're not doing that in this episode. With, yeah, with the we thing. already did this one. Yes. Right, we're up to date on that. But I want to give a huge shout out. To my boy Mike Bithell. What up, Mike Bithell? Coming through my with dude. this game volume. There it is. Right here. There it is. From the creator of Thomas Was Alone, Mike Bithell. Yeah. Here is volume. Yeah. His game's coming out. Right. And he he gave us the the, the month of shout-outs thing on Patreon. Thank you he's so such much. A good dude. Patreon.com slash kind of funny games. So he's supporting us making this show happen. So we want to help support him make his game a success. Right. So volume is a stealth game coming August 16th to PlayStation 4, PS Vita, PC, and Mac. That's crazy. From the creative Thomas Was Alone, Volume combines a core story starring Andy Serkis and Danny Wallace with an editor that lets you make and play content as part of a community of stealth game fans. For more information, follow at Volume Game on Twitter. So you should definitely do that. Go follow him on Twitter. Ask all the questions you want. Tell him the kind of funny sent you. Right. Specifically, Tim Geddes. Okay. Yeah. Tim sent you. And it's one, it's one of the funny things. And I mean, you can't... He, I know that Mike Biffle can't predict these kind of things, Colin. But he gave us the money. He's like, I want to do the sponsorship. I want to do this. I love you guys' content. But we took the money, and then we played the game. And it's like, ah, oh, man, you fucked up because the game's good. Like, we would have talked about the game for free, yeah. but now we got your money. <laughs> but I like here that I, I, I'm not sure, but I think in that sentence you were about to say, uh, you know, I love you, I love you, I love you, Greg, is what I think you were about to say, and then you said guys instead. There, uh, you know, I love you guys. Uh, I, I don't think I was, I wasn't close to that. I, I would, I usually when I'm about to make the mistake, I don't realize I'm about to make the mistake until I already made the mistake, oh, as no. you always call out when I screw. Now, I, I will say something about this poster. I love this poster. It's lovely. Yeah, and uh, the. What's interesting about the poster is I wish it said because it says from the creator of Thomas was alone. Yeah, I and I like the way Tim said it, where he's like the creator of Thomas was alone, Mike Bithell. So yeah. what the future poster should say, in fact, is from the creator of Thomas was alone, comma Mike Bithell, and then it has the volume. You want to know why he left it off? I bet he's trying to piggyback on the Kojima Konami thing. Oh. He, he's gonna he's gonna put out a story saying the publisher of this game himself erased his name from the posters. God, he's such a jerk. He knows how to play this game, yeah. all right. Yeah, no, he, now, knows, he knows what he's doing. I, I do want to give a shout out to him too. That he, you know, he only paid for the one shout out. Don't be giving him oh, all. so many <laughs> shouts. Well, no, he he paid for the shout out. He asked for the shout out months ago. Yeah, like when we oh, first launched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like he believed in us back when we were dumb little kids. He and now did that. A little, little, slightly he, less dumb kids. Or yeah, you know, I did that. Uh, he he's been timely with everything. He's kept us in the loop about everything. He shared information with us. He wrote a blog post being like, "Hey, this you know, some I'm sure would think was an ethical conundrum. These guys talk about games and critique them, but I'm going to do it, and here's why." And he explained the fact that. We're competitively priced with ads on video game websites, and that we reach an audience that is awesome and would actually yeah. go to it, which he already knew, of course, from GDC because mm-hmm. he came through GDC and they all followed him. And he was like, "How do I get all these followers?" 
Kind of funny. Oh, kind of funny. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the Kind of Funny Games Cast. If you guys don't know what this is, every week we get together, we talk about video games, we make videos of it, then it goes live on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. If you want the whole thing early, you can go to Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. There's a whole smorgasbord of options. You can get the audio, you can get the video, you get all this stuff. And the coolest part is... If you give just a dollar a month on Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games, you get an exclusive episode of this show. Yeah. Somehow, those exclusive episodes are even more of a train wreck than these in a good way. It's because we let our guard down. Yeah. It's like, I always like to think of this this podcast right here, the Games Cast, the Game Over Greggy Show, when we sit around this table. Yeah. It's like when you show up to Thanksgiving dinner and you're in your shirt, your tie, whatever, you're looking good, you want to say hi to the family, act mm-hmm. like you got your life together. The exclusive episodes are when your belt's undone, the shirt's unbuttoned, you're sprawled out on the couch with your closest family and friends. So it's like when after, you have nothing to after prove Thanksgiving, to these when you head to the 7-Eleven to get Slurpees, even though you didn't need Is them. Is that what you did? I mean, I just every night probably ended there. Okay. I had an interesting life, and I also but like, two well, blocks no, from For Thanksgiving, you didn't have like a Thanksgiving thing. Oh, we did. Yeah, no, but yeah, no. Me and Kevin would end up at Seven Eleven getting slurpees at some point. See, it would always be that Poe did Thanksgiving at his family's, whatever they were, and then he'd come back to my house and play video games and eat pumpkin pie. And that's all good. Yeah. All of that stuff. Now, I, this is a whole thing. Don't need to go down this rabbit hole. But if you're about to insult pumpkin pie. We're gonna have problems. I love pumpkin pie. Thank you. I always bring up the fact that I never really have a Thanksgiving because my best friend Curran's birthday is that weekend every right. every year, and we always do a massive weekend long gaming sleepover. Sure. So to me, I remember Thanksgiving last year I distinctly not... asked to be invited to that. You didn't, and you Thank got you. uninvited. Yes, actually, it wasn't you. even that you weren't invited. You. you were like, "Get this guy! Oh, he's not allowed anywhere." <laughs> Kieran heard it thing. on the podcast. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, "I don't want fuck this guy this shit." But uh, no. So what I was about to say is, we just recorded or last month's. Um, exclusive episode of the Gamescast just went live. The most recent Gamescast exclusive is now yes. on Patreon.com. Kind of and it was awesome. And it I really awesome. enjoyed it. And it was me, Nick, and Greg driving back from VidCon. And so it's us in the car and we were talking about road trip gaming memories and uh, which included like Game Boy stuff. It also included arcade stuff. And then a, a lot of sidetrack stories about ridiculous things. Uh, but overall, I liked it and I enjoyed it. So you should definitely check that out. In that video, you almost convinced me without you knowing because I didn't bring it up because we switched topics too quickly to play another Pokemon. To what? actually beat a Pokemon. Oh my God. I've never done it. Let's make this a thing okay. at some point. You got to pick somehow. a good one for me that I can oh, get on gold. my nice 3 Definitely, it'll be Heart Gold or Soul Silver. Okay. Undeniably. Okay. And it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we are talking about franchises that drastically changed for the worst. Bomberman. The re- <laughs> no, I never forget that Bomberman reboot. So the reason this comes up is Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest Eleven mm. was announced to be coming out on all these new systems, and there was there was word of it being on the, the NX. So X gonna give it to you. X gonna give it to you. X gonna give it to you. Mario, Zelda, X gonna give it to you. Star Fox, other Nintendo. I don't know. Nintendo franchise. I knew. Oh, they ain't gonna give you that. They ain't gonna give you Metroid. X ain't gonna give you Metroid. Yo, X, you gonna give us Metroid? No. Where my dogs at? Uh yeah. So so they're doing all they're doing that stuff now. Colin, big fan of Dragon Quest. Yeah, big fan of all the stuff. You were really upset with Dragon Quest Ten. Yes. So you you suggested we have this as a topic. I'm gonna let you kind of mouth off on this. Yeah, I, I I just wanted to bring this up because I I think that going back uh, to early in gaming's history, I would really say it started you know most prominently uh, in the NES era, where series are established, but then they change inexplicably, inexplicably, and sometimes no one had asked them to inexplicably change. 
and so the the exa- so like <laughs> I like how you say this as if, as if the franchises or this dude that people walk yeah, up yeah. to. Hey, dudes, don't change. Bro. Don't change. Zelda. No one asked you for this, Mario. <laughs> no one asked you to change. But it, the thing is, is that it, it back in the day, I felt like it worked out well for the most part, right? And I've talked about this many times, so forgive me if if I'm repeating it for some people. But Mario changed at least in the West. With the second iteration, Zelda changed drastically with the second iteration. Castlevania changed drastically with the second iteration. Mega Man, oh, no. No, Mega Man didn't change. Mega Man got better, I think, uh, as well. It changed in in its own ways, but it was was pretty much the same uh, gameplay-wise. And what we learned from that was that these games, no one wanted these changes, but they were happening anyway, and they were good. Zelda 2 is a fucking awesome and and severely underrated game. Uh, Mario 2, Mario USA is a great game. It's not as good as Mario 3, but it's a a fantastic game. I would say 9 out of 10. Oh, yeah, it's a great game. We just did a Let's Play for it. That might be live by the time you're listening to this, actually. <coughs> Excuse me. And then uh, Castlevania changed, and I think Simon's Quest is a super underrated game, too. Um, but then there are games that changed in that era that, that didn't work out. Metal Gear is a good example. Act Razor 2 uh, and Metal Gear 2 are probably good, good examples of ah. games that didn't need to change, um, but did, and, and they didn't work out very well. Um, and I felt that, honestly, even though I know you love that game, when Super Mario World was very different with its with Yoshi's uh, oh. Island, I was like, yeah. I think that's even kind of different, though. That was so much more a name thing than it was an actual sure. sequel. Sure. But, yeah, I was so happy to hear Dragon Quest Eleven was a single-player, expansive uh, role-playing game because, for some reason, Square Enix decided to make Dragon Quest Ten an MMO. And I, I, I've, this has always bothered me, and I understand that Final Fantasy Eleven and Final Fantasy Fourteen are very popular and very good games and people enjoy them, but they're MMOs. They're not really Final Fantasy games. And I've always, I was always confused why you would take a series that is established for something or a series of things, Final Fantasy, maybe it's its narrative or its its characters or its gameplay, and then just totally change it, but call it a core Final Fantasy yeah. game. In other words, why wasn't Final Fantasy Eleven Final Fantasy Online? Then that's you know? the thing. That is the, the bigger question, I think, is that why didn't they just go with Final Fantasy Online? Why'd they have to call it Eleven? Why'd they have sell. to call it Fourteen? And that's the thing. When you get to Eleven and Fourteen... It's a little ridiculous. I think with, if you look at sales, stuff. and Colin will back me up here time over time, every Final Fantasy is bigger than the last. <laughs> That's not true, Greg. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, there's there's reasons for it. There's certainly marketing reasons for it. And there's also a, a, them saying, well, with Final Fantasy specifically, and I think some of our, our, our viewers might might feel this way, is that, well, Final Fantasy 1 was very class-based. didn't really have much of a story. Final Fantasy 5 was very class-based. It's It's... A game that's very different. While Final Fantasy IV had established classes and established characters that grew in certain ways, so the games are already different from each other. Um, while you have active battle and, and one thing, you have materia and Esper systems. You have all these kinds of things, and so they're like, "Well, what's what's the difference?" You know, you're you, at, when you get the you, we're now we're going to make it an MMO and change the mechanics, just like we've changed the mechanics in the other games. But I think that there's a situation where it goes a little too far and confuses the audience, and also frustrates me as someone who wanted final fantasy 11 to be a core final fantasy game especially after the way i felt about final fantasy 10 which was not positive mm. um so i just wanted to throw that out there that it's cool that they're they were always gonna make dragon quest 11 i think a single player game regardless but it was it was so weird to me that dragon quest which is so sacred to a lot of people as being this very grindy very tra- very traditional japanese role-playing game suddenly make it an mmo yeah um as opposed to just calling it Dragon Quest Online, just like they would Dragon Quest Heroes, which is a like a Musou from uh, Omega Force. It's like they didn't call that Dragon Quest Eleven. So why would you call mm-hmm. this other thing Dragon Quest Eleven? So I don't, I don't. I just wanted to discuss if there are any other series that you guys feel like changed radically or, or were known for something and then changed and tried to do something else. Because I, I don't always think it works out like it did during the NES era. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I think that more often than not, it doesn't, especially nowadays. But you, Final Fantasy, I think, is the key one. But because uh, when you look at 12, 12 kind of played a little bit more like an MMO, but it wasn't an MMO. It still was a Final Fantasy core game, and it felt right. So even though the class systems are different and the battle systems different or whatever, I feel you in that it's still the same thing. It's once you go into the MMO territory, it is a different genre. It is a different, completely different style of game. Whether the gameplay is different or not, that doesn't matter. It's more about the style of the game itself, you know? Um, I can't really think of too many other franchises so, that did this. Uh, that's my question. So are you talking about gameplay shifts or it has to be completely from the ground up? Like, I, does Jack and Daxter's move I from think Jack 2 to 3 and uh, from 1, one to two, 2 to 3? Yeah. I think that's the, like, that's the thing. It's not so much just the gameplay. Or just Every game's different. It's yeah. more about changing what the game is. Sure. You know? Cause At Final its core. What, like, yeah. Jack and Daxter, you pick up, oh, it's a platformer i'm here to play a platformer yep. jack 2 is a little now bit more of all action-y. these guns and open world gta in this jack universe like what the hell are you talking about yeah and that that worked out for it sure. i think in a lot of I, ways i know i i enjoyed that i i think when you you start talking about these and even with the final fantasy example you're talking about things that are a hit at one point but what's going on in that genre anymore what's the next step where is the future going right mm-hmm. and naughty dog puts out jack and daxter precursors legacy it's fun i rented it during my unlimited blockbuster summer rental when that was a thing or whatever and played i was like oh it's good but it was like just as like that 3d platformer thing was starting to burn out right so they make that jump to go like to salvage it right because you can't have the exact same thing now the you know another example of that cha- the putting a change out that way i think maybe to its detriment is prince of persia prince of persia sands of time mm-hmm. amazing game just give me that again and instead they start going down this whole path that leads to warrior within and all this other stuff and it's like eh. well i mean see that that was one of the first franchises that came to mind when yeah. you were talking about this but i don't think that they necessarily that count? i don't know if it does because okay. it what changed in that game the emo rock music emo they added emo rock music and they made it a little bit darker and and more <laughs> was sands of time rated m I don't no, think it was. I can't imagine it was. So I guess that, I mean that is a pretty pretty significant shift then going from being open to pretty much anyone to play to just people above 17. But the gameplay was still the same and the game was still the same with Warrior Within and uh Twin Thrones or whatever the, hell the last one was called. But uh cuz I I still loved those games all the way through. Sands of Time is definitely my favorite, but I don't think that uh the game shifted enough for it to be radically different whereas Team. Jack 2 Rated T for Team. Yeah. Yeah. I'm almost positive Warrior Within was rated M because I remember I couldn't buy it when it first came out. And Kevin's sister had to buy it for me. Did she make funny guys the whole time? Sister. Was she like chewing gum? Was she like in 80s? Did she have big 80s hair? Was she in like pink? I'm assuming this happened in the 80s, right? Yeah, she was dressed like Jubilee. It was weird. But nineties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think there's a there's a. I'm thinking about it. And I think there's a more concise way we can put this because the the question is still undefined, and I think the answers are undefined too, and that's fine. Where it's. Because you brought up Grand Theft Auto, and Grand Theft Auto is a great example of a series that changed, right? Mm-hmm. And and it changed for the better, right? It doesn't always have to change for the worse. I guess the question is, should consumers and fans expect something similar to what they've already experienced within the IP, the established IP? And does it show that, you know, obviously there's a marketing and financial reason, economic reason for, for publishers to and developers to want to develop new kinds of games under established franchises. But does it also, is some of the blame on the consumer as well for being usually wary of something that they don't know yes. about. So mm-hmm. in other words, like Grand Theft Auto changed, Red Dead changed, uh, you know, uh, we talk about Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest and these other games that have changed. I also think Fallout's a great example of that. Fallout, most people, a vast majority of people that have played Fallout have only played Fallout 3 and New Vegas. The other Fallout games are radically different. They're role-playing games, but they're they're not 
Fallout, Fallout 3. Um, but then you see something, I see something like Wolfenstein, which is, you know, also a Bethesda property now. And I'm like, this is always been just kind of there's spinoffs i guess but it's always been kind of true to what it was wolfenstein is a world war ii based alternate history shooter right and that's always been what it is and so we know when we get a wolfenstein game that's what we should and could expect and it goes back to you know the what mercury steamed into castlevania which at first seemed really good and then ended up being really bad at the end um where they took something that was established and made something tried to do something different and it worked out but then they made it too different and it and it and it didn't work out so i guess what i'm saying is should we have an expectation yeah. of some sort of continuity, whether it's in gameplay or whether it's in style or theme or setting? Because, for instance, Final Fantasy Tactics is a radically different Final Fantasy game. It's one of the great Final Fantasy games. But it came out between 7 and 8. Why didn't they just call that Final Fantasy 8? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it really is the same thing as an MMO being Final Fantasy 11. So uh-huh. I was always I was always kind of confused by that. that you know? No, you're you're hitting you're definitely identifying the problems. It's this constantly swirling thing. Whereas if they kept making Prince of Persia the way I wanted Prince of Persia with no emo music or whatever, and I'm just using this example, right? Sure, you're running this into the ground. Stop doing that. Eventually, the tides turn. Right? If they want to go make a new IP, nobody gets on board and buys it. So if they put a new Prince of Persia IP on it, suddenly I'm like, well, this isn't the Prince of Persia game I want to play. I think a really good example of this is Ratchet and Clank. Right? Ratchet and Clank is Ratchet and Clank, and it's Ratchet and Clank, and everybody's like, fucking we hate we're, nobody hates we're stop making we're, the same old done. ratchet and clank yeah. and they're like all right here's all for one here's this tower yeah. defense here's and we're like no that is not ratchet and clank what are you doing and they're yeah. like well what the well, we wanted to make something different because you said you wanted something different but this is too different so would you rather us go off and make fuse mm-hmm. and like and then no, nobody cares no. about you know what i mean like we nobody's <laughs> no. happy we're yeah. all goldilocks i, mean, I think kingdom hearts is a, another perfect example of that where you know everyone's like oh like not everyone I say everyone, but I mean me. And there's a bunch of other people out there that are like, I want every Tim the uh, the the numbered sequel because I know what that means. That sure. means it's going to be mainline. That means it's going to have a certain level of production value and influence on the story. And the gameplay is going to be up to here and all all these different things. Now, people have been getting at me a lot recently about Sons of bitches. my Kingdom Hearts comments and like because they say that whenever I talk about the spinoffs, I kind of write them off and I'm like, I don't want this shit and they're not good. I'm not saying they're not good at all. I'm saying I haven't played them and I do know the people that have played them. They range from loving them to some of them not being that good. There's a wide gamut of all that stuff. Gamut. But also I understand that there's uh, – the story does matter in some of them, like specifically Dream Drop Distance and uh, Birth by Sleep. Um, but those are perfect examples of kind of what we're talking about where because they're not mainline numbered sequels, there is this perception that they're not as valued and that they're not as big of a deal. Whereas like with Final Fantasy – Adding that number means it's a big deal. It means that it's going to be there's a promise there, you know. And so go, being an MMO, you're going off that promise. Like you're you're messing with things, and that's when the hardcore people like lash lash out, and then it just turns into it, you splinter the stuff. Whereas Final Fantasy Tactics, no one splintered. The people that like it, they like it. And they yeah, can yeah. like Final Fantasy, the the numbered ones as well, and there's not really an issue. Whereas the moment that you start doing this, there's this weird divide between. The purists, not purists, and all this stuff. Right. And it's not even, it, it, to me, it's not so much a judgment call because if they called Final Fantasy 16, or if they made Final Fantasy Tactics 2, like a real one, not the GBA and DS ones, which are fine. Uh, and I enjoyed those. But if they which made, are fine, but less than. No, no, I mean, they're not as good as the original Final Fantasy Tactics by any stretch of the imagination. But if they made Final Fantasy Tactics 2 a real one, but they're like, it's Final Fantasy 16, I'd be like, whatever. Like, like, just give me the fucking game already. So I think, I think that we, like, that's what I was saying, that there's, there's a, a looser, maybe even undefined definition of what we're talking about. Yet, 
I feel like there's blame to be laid on all sides and because of the like Greg was saying the roving expectations because we as gamers like Castlevania is a great example like we I had expectations of continuing to get the Egovania Castlevania game and I got it over and over and over again I was like it's just it's awesome like when people are like what's your favorite one I'm like I'm not even sure like they're all awesome right because I was looking for that formula but then when they take Ego off of Castlevania and give it to Mercury Steam, the game comes very different. And so what does that mean to a Castlevania fan? Does, is, what does Castlevania mean at that point? And I think that that's what the, the, the real question is. Like, should we have an expectation that Castlevania means gothic? Yeah. Belmont's fighting fucking Dracula and all these kinds of things because we did not get that with Mercury Steam. We got a modern game, really, with them. Um, not to spoil it because it doesn't seem modern at the beginning, but you had your chance. Uh, God. And so... But at the same time, it's a conundrum between the publishers and the developers because we always want new ideas. At least I do. I always want new ideas, new games, new IP. And, but, but publishers won't sign off on them, so they pigeonhole the new idea into something that already exists exactly. to get your attention. Yeah. And that, to me, is, is, is somewhat of a destructive idea, but it's also the climate of buying and making games, unfortunately, because you know vanquish for instance platinum's vanquish which is a fucking awesome 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 game uh if that was i mean not that platinum had any established franchise really at the time if that was um call of duty future warfare or whatever right right that would have been fucking huge you know what yeah. i mean but because it was vanquish no one played it they're like what the hell is vanquish I well don't know i mean i'm not keeping with this conversation here like going back to like mario 2 doki doki panic originally in japan if that was in america would that have been a hit but now that we know it is Mario 2, huge mega blockbuster, you know? Sure. I mean, it's a little different back then with how things... It's like how well, they were, also thought we just weren't capable of playing that game. The other one, yeah. But, I mean, still, but, like, that was taking this random franchise that America had no, you sure. know, nothing for, and then now it's Mario. It's smart. The economic imperative is on them to do these things, and it's smart. I just... I'd be interested to see what the audience thinks of this particular question, if there should be expectations. Like, when Dragon Quest X was announced and it was an MMO, I was like, I was aghast. I was like, I can't believe... I understand. You did it with Final Fantasy. All right. Like, I don't really feel like Final Fantasy, frankly, is as sacred as Dragon Quest in terms of, like, what it is. There would be no Final sure. Fantasy without Dragon Quest. And they've always been the same. You know what I mean? It's just very grindy, very hardcore, very long, very fucking super deep, super meaty games. But they're all single player and they're unabashedly single player games. And then you suddenly just take a left turn. Mm -hmm. And then you're surprised when no one really cares about the game. I mean, the, the thing I was thinking about, a good example of this. Of I think doing it right, even though we've talked, you know, a great deal about Sega's, you know, what they don't do right. The one thing they did do right, well, they did a lot of things right, but the one thing that I, I'm identifying here that they did right was with Fantasy Star because Fantasy Star, the four Fantasy Star games are are sci-fi based Japanese role playing games, and they're really good games. People really, really love those games, and they've not gone back for 20 years to make a new Fantasy Star game in the core series, which fucking is shocking to me that they haven't made Fantasy Star Five yet. Um, but when they made an MMO out of it, they called it Fantasy Star Online. And Fantasy Star Online was fucking huge. And they didn't burn any bridges by saying, like, this is Fantasy Star 5 and, and disappointing people. It was just it was its own thing in that same universe. So I often think back about that game and the popularity of that game on PC and on Dreamcast and its sequel, um, which is also very popular, although I don't think we even got it here. Um, Here's a question for you. Yeah. The online business, because you're saying, why didn't they call it Final Fantasy Online? Mm. Da, da, da. Is that just a, a term now so anchored in the past? Like, for Fantasy Star Online, it's coming out when America Online is still a thing. When it's still, it's still, a, it's still a fucking feature that this thing connects to the internet and does all of this. Like, you expect any game now to come out and connect to the internet and do something. So, like, is that, the, you think there's some... 
lineage to that word that they're dropping yeah. it from and they're saying no no it's a, it's a final fantasy numbered game because final fantasy online would say that this isn't online when in reality there's leaderboards or whatever connections for sure it. i i no, it's an interesting question i think with fantasy star online having come out when it did which is a turn of the century kind of game it, it yeah that made sense and i think but here's the thing is that if the precedent was set by square enix to, to name final fantasy 11 final fantasy online when it came out 12 years ago um or whatever it was then Final Fantasy 14 would have been Final Fantasy Online 2 or some have sure, some other name. Sure, sure, sure. And the Final Fantasy game we've been waiting for forever would be Final Fantasy 13. And that's that's I don't know. It's just it's just interesting to think about it. I don't really have an answer or a direction to, to go in this well, I mean, conversation. Weren't the, weren't the games actually titled Final Fantasy 11 Online? It was called Final Fantasy 11, yeah, colon online, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean but it still, still did the online. But that game. was old as hell too, is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I mean, even 14 isn't isn't it Final Fantasy 14 online? Maybe not. No, I think a it's Realm Reborn yep, is the one. Well, that, yeah. well, that was the, the remake, the of, remake of 14. God, remake. Also, just... Fantasy Star Online 2, I remember a lot of people, are, I keep seeing tweets about it. I think it did recently come out in America. Oh, okay, cool. Because it was on Vita. And uh, people, they announced it, I think, because Fantasy Star Online 2 and Fantasy Star Nova were announced in Japan on Vita, but never came here. And people were upset about it because I think the game's in English. Like, I think the game's localized for mm, Southeast Asian countries that... You know, like we that happens every once in a while. That happened with uh, PlayStation All Stars when the beta was up and it was in like Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't. I just I'm curious. I'm, I'm more curious to see what you guys think and what our audience thinks about that because I just feel like we've lost sight of the expectations. And one of the things that I, I was surprised you didn't bring up is Tony Hawk. You know? Uh, oh my god! Like, yeah, no, you're right. That's uh, it. Where it started at crap and then got really good with Thug. Yeah, exactly. God, I hate you if that was backwards. I mean, again, I don't want to hate on Thug because I love Thug, Thug and even awesome. Thug Two has a lot of, of things that I really care about there, but. The moment that you can get off your board, that was the moment when it was like, all right, they've ran out of core gameplay ideas to add that make this more fluid and more fun and better. And Thug was when it got all storied. Thug was a product of the time in the sense of they just were trying to match the Grand Theft Auto feel and the, all of these different things. And that's when it just turned away from the arcade skateboarding game into this more open world thing and then American Wasteland comes out and it's like it's all one world and there's no loading and it's like well man driving or like skating through this tunnel that's freaking three minutes long to get to the next section it's not loading but it ain't fun <laughs> you know and it's like all those things and like, that, damn Tony Hawk's a, a good example of that I mean that was one of the ones I thought of I mean because I've thought of series that have been really consistent too and if they weren't consistent they made it clear that this was a spinoff I think Halo is a good example of that I think uh, Uncharted. Uncharted is a good example of that. Mm. Gears is a good example of that. Call of Duty is a good example of that. You know, so there, I, I feel like there's exceptions in all of those where there's like what, Halo Wars, whatever. What was that? What was not Halo Wars? What was no, that? No, I know you're talking about the, the one the strategy that, game. Yeah, claiming that Cold Knights got all. It was, it was Halo, Halo Wars. Yeah. Halo Wars yeah. so, but they, it wasn't like that. Wasn't Halo Four? You know what I mean? No, yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. like. Well, there's also Reach and ODST, right? And all those other. It ones, seems so. like it's somewhat sacred to them, the continuity. You know? Yeah, and I mean, like they know what people they are... know what's up. They yeah. understand like what people are looking for, and they know that if they name it something different. Like that's a different game. It's not going to have Chief, or it's not going to have this, or whatever. Exactly. I mean, coming back to it, right? And a modern example is Metal Gear and their number series, right? Like Peace mm. Walker is a portable experience. Portal Ops is something different. Revengeance is something different. Now, arguably, obviously, Metal Gear has changed and evolved over time. Yeah. Like I don't, but it's not. You're not making the jump from Metal Gear Solid to Metal Gear Solid Four. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's incremental changes to get you there. And I would go even further than that though with Metal Gear. Metal Gear Two. The Metal Gear 2, not, yeah, Metal, Gear not Metal Gear Solid 2. It's not really a Metal Gear game, but Met the original Metal Gear is a perfect evolution. And you're from, talking to, to so Metal Gear like MSX, NES, sure, Metal yeah, Gear. Yeah. And the Metal Gear Solid makes perfect sense. Right, there. right. You know, like that's I mean, just that's an Mario, of the tech. Mario 64. Exactly. The tech makes sense there at that point, right? Mm -hmm. 
But I don't know. I don't, maybe a lot of people disagree with me. I just I think we just have to be bolder by supporting new ideas so that maybe publishers and developers don't feel like they need to pigeonhole things sure. into things that already exist, but to give us new things that we love. But well, that's the why sales... you see the indies doing this, right? right? Where they get to come out with a crazy idea, a crazy name, whatever, and make their stance and their thing. And then meanwhile, it is all sequels from AAA people. Yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. I mean, last thing I want to talk about is Pokemon, where I feel like they do a good job of the spinoff thing, where it, if, if it's the the mystery dungeon and all that stuff, those are not mainline Pokemon games. If there's a color after the the title, you know that's essentially their number system. And we're not going to see a Pokemon MMO called Pokemon Rainbow or whatever the hell. You know, Maybe actually, we will. That'd be totally interesting. We should see a Pokemon we MMO. We should see though. an MMO. That, that would be... That makes too much if, sense. If NX comes out and they're just like... If DMX, DMX <laughs> walks out, he's like, Pokemon MMO. Dog. <laughs> they won. Yeah, that's They'd it. They fucking win, Greg. That'd, all be right. huge. That'd be huge. Second topic of the day is digital game pricing. So, Colin, once again, we have a lot of talks about video games. Even when we're not on camera. It's shocking, I know. But we were talking about the pricing of digital games, and I was telling you that we get a lot of a lot of messages from users that they want us to talk about how come digital games are priced at the same price point as retail games. Retail games drop their price. Digital games usually don't unless they're on flash sales or you know um, PS Plus and all that stuff. What are your thoughts on this? The simplest answer, I mean, Greg and I have been talking about this for a long time. The simplest answer, and the answer is that they have to play nice with their retail partners. GameStop, Walmart. Uh, you can't, they understand, the publishers and the first parties understand that they could cut 15 or $20 off of a AAA game and make the same amount of money in terms of like their own, their own rip on it because they don't have to manufacture the disc. They don't have to have a factory to do that. They don't have to ship it. They don't have to share the money with GameStop. The reason they don't do that is just because if they fuck the retailers, then there is no way to sell the hardware, which cannot be uh, available digitally. In other words, they don't want to make Walmart angry at them they don't want to make GameStop angry at them that is certainly although they wouldn't come out and say that that has to be the answer yeah and and, and and it's and it's you can't go you know hat in hand to GameStop if you're Sony for instance be like we need you to sell PlayStation 4s and it's really important that you we sell PlayStation 4s space. exactly and we need shelf states we need this amount of space and you can have all these games too and they're like but your games are cheaper by 20% on your on your console and like, oh, that's just the way it is you know, then they're gonna be like, "Well, Xbox, we don't really the front need... of the store. You go to the back, if that even, if we if we even cover you, carry you." Yeah, so it's 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 it seems weird to a lot of people, but that is certainly part of the calculus. Until they get to a position where they're totally comfortable, and maybe even comfortable with their retail partners also being comfortable in the digital space, they can't undercut them. I think the only main main handheld or, or system that, that did make their digital games cheaper was Vita. Yep, and that worked um, out well. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it certainly, you know, it, cer- it was interesting. I was excited to see that because I thought maybe it was a sign of what was to come with PlayStation sure. 4, but it's just, it's not time yet. The brilliance of it, though, is that, you know, there is a middle ground to be explored with the games that are not at retail where they're cheaper. And also, they don't, games don't go on sale maybe necessarily very often if they're new on uh, PSN or Xbox Live, but a lot of these games are significantly discounted later on, more significant than you would find them in a store. So if you're 100%. patient... The digital storefronts where you need to be, but I don't think that they want to. They don't want to fuck around with their their retail partners because it's it, it hurts the hardware business, and without the hardware, there are no games. And I mean, it's you know, it's no mystery as to why you see these summer sales pop up and have all these games that are old, right? Because there is the graph of like you know, three months into it, you being a GameStop, your game drops off. No one's coming in to buy this game that was really really hot in October of last year. Right now, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, so once that's out the door and done, then yeah, nobody's caring that you put it on sale for. 
eighty percent off or whatever. They, they just announced the PlayStation Summer Sale today. All these insane discounts, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't check it, that out. Yeah, and then it is the fact of yeah, indies can get, get out there and do whatever they want and sell them super cheap, super expensive, whatever. Get in this spot, space, inhabit it, and go. And mm-hmm. then, of course, you see. But yeah, what you're talking about is is the answer, whether someone will admit it or not, right? Because again, you can't piss them off in public. Say this is what's happening. Well, Walmart's got us by the balls. You know what I mean? You look at Steam, right? Like. Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo must look at Valve and seem like, fuck, they are just making money hand over fist. You know what I mean? If Nintendo could be like, yeah, we should do that and just be done with it, that'd be a, a game changer for them and how much money they have and what people expect from them. But right now, everybody's still in this archaic system of how this all goes and where it goes from here. Yeah, and there's there's certain things that need to be kept in mind, I think. Internet infrastructure is still a really big yep. thing. PC gamers are typically very core, hardcore gamers. They buy lots of games. They have a good rig. They have good connections. But if you have a, a cap on your downloads or you have poor internet speeds, you're on DSL, so it's all like that. And you, you, the digital ecosystem is just not applicable to you yet. And so you still have to go into the store and buy these games. And that's, that's the unfortunate truth for these people, although I think it's going to get better every day. It is getting better uh, every day. Um, but I do think people sometimes look at you know Sony charging $60 for... Game X, the order eighteen eighty six on PSN, and then it's sixty dollars in the store. And their their math in their heads is correct, which is like, well, Sony should technically be making way more money on games that are sold digitally. Obviously, they are, but I don't think they're. Do- I, I don't. That's what I'm saying is I don't think it's a greed move. As you much think as it's it, malicious? It, it's, it, no, it's like an economic imperative move where they're like, we can't fuck with the people that are buttering our bread basically which are these fucking stores that proliferate millions and millions and millions of these consoles to people it's that thing mom and dad still go into brick and mortar to buy things and have the and the kids are still there in front of the games case like talking about what they want right it's a harder sell of like well i made an amazon wish list mom like go look for it there yeah we'll get to we'll get to that point i sure i'm personally having talked about this for years now surprised we're not there yet but we're not i don't think mm-hmm. anything's really changed in a significant matter, it's it's a more glacial process. In 2007, if you were like, "Oh, will there be games on shelves and stores?" Still, I mean, no. Oh, you know. So like, like, but like, it's it's still not coming to pass. But I mean, yeah, I think what you're saying earlier is a big point with that. Where we're you know in San Francisco and we're used to how things work here, and yeah. we are in the class that we're at, where our internet is the speeds that it is, and all this stuff. But yeah, like people from where you grew up probably don't have. Well, that was the you know like that, that we lose sight of what real life is like right where i was at comic-con i was doing that justice league lego panel right and i watched the movie I'm like this movie is great for kids and parents and so i was like i'm gonna buy all my friends that back home and i was like because they have kids i'm like wait and i text them all I'm like do you guys have a blu-ray player like and they're like no dvds are good for us i'm like oh okay i'll buy dvds you know what i mean but like the real like the trojan horse for all of this in digital is netflix is amazon like you know what i mean those like mind-blowing experiences when i talk to my mom she's like oh we're watching netflix through i think she, it started with her with the wii and i was like whoa you knew to you download it. How to you do knew this. how to download an app on your you know what i mean like like there's those little movements that get you to the point yeah. of like well why would i ever buy anything like this again why wouldn't i buy everything yeah digital? everyone has that come to, that come to jesus moment too I, my dad has come had that come to jesus moment now where he's buying things like movies digitally on amazon and shows digitally. well even not even just digitally i think amazon itself is another huge sure. yeah, push yeah, yeah. with that where people understand like because for the longest time it was Oh, I'm not putting my credit card nope. online. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, going to no. get stolen. What are you talking about? Yeah. But now it's and like, it happens all the time, oh. but now the banks know to give you money back. But, I mean, it happens all the time now in the same way that happens all the time in real life. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. My credit card gets stolen way more now than when it was real life. Oh, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's been about the same. Okay. But um, you're a punk ass kid. I am a punk ass kid. I do a lot of punk ass kid things, Greg. Yeah. But anyway, I think between Amazon and Netflix, there is a bit of an education going sure. on. Sure. So these people are understanding at least what 
everyone else is doing and yeah. that they can do it as well. And eventually, I think the internet will all catch up. And that's the thing when that. you look at like even cable companies, right? And the Xfinity box that we have, right? The X Entertainment system and like on demand programming, DVR. X is going like, to give it to you. X is going to give it to you. Well, He's everywhere. God, he is. We got to get him on the present. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing of like breaking down those barriers and making people understand really what they can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been fun to watch with my, my own father where it's just like, you know, my mom's still a little wary of, of no, she uses the computer every day and stuff, but she doesn't like do her shopping online or anything. She has a lot of questions, which is shocking to me, but. Uh, because we've been using the internet for like ever for a really long time now, like 20 years. Uh, but she, she is not as far as my dad where my dad's like, Oh, there's an Amazon app. I remember having this conversation with him and he's like, you're just buying shit on Amazon all the time. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, you know, 65 year old man. And and so so I agree that the education's coming, but Amazon is a half step because in terms of its retail kind of thing, because again, games on Amazon are the same price Mm -hmm. as the games in GameStop and it's the same and they don't want to fuck it with Amazon either. That might be the retailer they want to fuck with the least, you know, Uh, because Amazon has been smart enough as has Netflix and other companies to become a more digital storefront in addition to being a a brick and mortar storefront. They're always going to have a brick and mortar presence, but you don't want to fuck with them either. I bought my PS4 off of Amazon when it came out, you know, I bought off Amazon. Yeah, me too. So, it's a tricky kind of dance that that these publishers and these and these hardware manufacturers have to do with these companies. Eventually, they won't have to do it. But I think the imperative is on the again on the consumer to sh- to to show those trends if that's what they, if that's what they want to go more in that direction. And then game, I think right. I do believe games will be cheaper. First of all, games are cheaper than they've ever been, um, as I've said many times in the past, uh, and that's just a fact. Um, and I love seeing these 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 circulars everyone pu- pu- uh, puts up every once in a while. Like, oh, I found the circular in a box from 1992, and the games are like eighty dollars in 1992 money. And I'm like, see, um, games are way cheaper. Sixty dollars today is six, and sixty dollars in 1990 are drastically different sums of money. Um, so I think that we're going to go in that direction. But when you see study after study, as we talked about on Colin and Greg Live a week or two ago, people still love themselves those fucking retail games, man. And we are in the minority. Yeah, no. That, that well, that's the thing. Like games, when I, you period. know, like uh, I learned that a long time ago. With, like when we do the unboxings and I tear the box apart, people are like, "Why are you doing them? Like, you who saves the boxes in the dozens of photos that were sent of people who had walls? Yeah, just of all of them piled on top of each other, their collector's editions boxed up. I was like, okay. I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, it's hard for me. I am a physical guy. I like physical. You things. are physical. I am so physical. Um, but yeah, I love, so I love Blu-rays. I love having the game cases and stuff. And it's like whenever I get like in the random times where I happen random to get free times. digital downloads of games, it kind of hurts my soul. Damn. Cause I'm just like, you're crazy, oh, but I'm not going to have the box, you know? And there's been times where I bought the game again cause I wanted it cause I'm crazy and I'm yeah. stupid, fucking stupid. God, and I, I know that. Stuff, man. Um, and like, it excites me like Shovel Knight. It's a perfect example. It's being released physically and I'm stoked. I am gonna buy that. Yeah. I want it. Why? I already beat it. I, you know, I'm enjoying it on my Vita, but I want it. And it's just like I understand that, and that there's a lot of people out there that do that. And when it comes to the boxes and stuff, like, oh my god, up until a couple of years ago, I had all my console boxes I ever had, like the SNES, N64, PS2, all that stuff. Just like, oh, that beautiful blue box. Uh, but then eventually, I'm like, okay, I'm drawing the line here. Like when I moved, I was like, I'm gonna throw these away. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, and then I did. I'm okay with that. I'm like, yeah. And thanks to eBay and stuff, if I ever, yeah, for if some ever reason, really need it again, yeah, yeah. I can get it. Yeah. And I'll be okay. Another big question that I get a lot is, all right, if digital games aren't going to be cheaper than physical games, how come I don't get the digital game when I buy the physical game? It's a great question. What are your thoughts on that, Colin? No, it's a great question. There's no, there's no excuse for that. I think it's starting to happen somewhat. I, I, I feel like I... 
I feel like there are games out there that you do get the, a digital code or something. Cross play, cross buy. Well, I mean, Vita games, you buy the empty box. Yeah, and, and you get a code, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, that's weird. so awesome. Yeah. And by awesome, I mean stupid. Um, you figure, yeah, I mean, like, I, right I now know. it's got to be a scam thing, right? Like, there, right now there is, I mean, I, I don't know anybody who's made a disc that you put into your system that takes the digital and burns it to your hard drive, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, oh, hey, yeah. I just bought the new Call of Duty, and I have an extra code, so I'm going to keep the disc, and Kevin, here's your code. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I would imagine that's the trouble. Yeah, that that could that is a good that's point. That's good, yeah. Although, that's a great point. Uh, Xbox One, now that it has backwards compatibility, is reading discs, and sure. then giving you the digital version of those games based on the disc in your hard drive. But again, yeah, you would have to be able to identify, yeah, that would be bad news yeah. for them. So that's, that actually answers itself, doesn't it? I'm sure someone's trying to figure that out. Yeah. I'm sure, like if they see it, like you see with the, you get the Blu-ray combo pack, and you get all, you get the Blu-ray, the DVD, and the, you know, the code for digital. So like they have it somewhat figured out. God only knows because I never redeem any of that crap. But yeah, that's really interesting. I remember I, the moment I realized that I was crazy was when Fire Emblem Awakening came out, and the, it was available digitally, but it was so rare in stores the first like three weeks it was available that. You just couldn't find the physical, and I was just like, as much as I, I bought my 3DS for that game. Yeah, like I didn't even have one until then. Before then, for all the other games where I play, like Mario 3D Land and all that, I borrowed people's DSs and just played that way. Um, but then I remember me and Kevin were going to like every different Best Buy, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we only got like one copy." And it's like, I swear to God that Nintendo like limited the amount that they shipped out to, to get you. more people to push the digital shit because that's yeah. when they first were doing that day one digital yeah. like huge push. And uh, it seems like it worked out for them because sure. everyone jumped on that. But I feel like the, those 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 going to be those moments where you stop and you're like, why would I have ever? You know what I mean? Like when I like the for Batman and then for WWE last year, right? Where I bought them and I pre-ordered them on PlayStation and just saw that the clock's counting down. I'm like, oh okay, you know, fix the drink, come back, sit down. Nine o'clock, bam, I'm playing the game. You know what I mean? Whereas before, like. In your time zone, staying up till midnight to go to the store, to wait in line, to get it, to play for an hour, be blurry-eyed, go to bed, wake up, think about it all day. It's like, the future is now, There's everybody. Special about Embrace that, it. Fuck your boxes. The future is really, really, really promising because there's things like Leaping Tiger out there. Hey! So, once again, Leaping Tiger is a location-based friend-finding app which provides gamers a way to instantly find and connect with each other regardless of the game or platform. Utilizing a database of games as well as your smartphone's location services, Leaping Tiger enables easy discovery of new friends you can message and arrange to team up and play with. Almost one breath. Nice job. Yes. So, leaping-tiger.com. There's yeah. an iOS app. Otherwise, you have to go to the mobile thing on your, your android or windows phone right they're still leaping working out the, they're working out the kinks we've been helping yep. obviously they sponsored us on patreon thank you so mm -hmm. much and uh you can win a playstation vita the uh there's the gaming nights this week every every week we've been doing it on every wednesday, wednesday, wednesday yeah. nights and uh this is the free free game free play oh. week so you can play whatever you want it's been rocket league you can still play rocket league if you want sure there's a whole bunch of other games though Literally any game. So download the app or yep. go to the website. Mm -hmm. Jump on Wednesday, 7 o'clock Pacific time. Mm -hmm. Find other people who are, again, still one of those things where this is like, what, alpha, beta, somewhere in there kind of thing. It's not like being publicized yet other than our stuff. So you're going to find other kind of funny fans to play with. You play with them. You're all best friends. Unite. You do that. One of you wins a veto. Right now, is it still everyone playing as a kind of funny person? I don't know. I think it is. I like to imagine we're sending so much traffic that it's 90% kind of funny yeah. people. Yeah. So say what's up to some other best friends. You're going to play there. Sean Pitts, basically, is what I'm saying. He'll yeah, be there for gonna sure. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Sean, play. All right. Topic number three comes from the kind of funny forums from our friend SF underscore likes hiking. If I wanted to get to the kind of funny forums, where would I go? You go to kindoffunny.com slash forums oh. or kindoffunnyforums.com. It's really your choice. Both work. Same place. What's happening to you? 
I'm being sexy. <laughs> if that's the definition of sexy, uh, you got some issues. Yeah. So I also like that this guy's name is SF underscore likes hiking. Because obviously that's Sean Finnegan. Sean Finnegan likes hiking. Um, is I'm it gonna, Sean? I'm going to assume that this is Sean Finnegan himself. Bro. It's definitely not. But I hope. Greetings and salutations, everybody. It might be Colin. It's not me. Moonlighting is Sean Finnegan. I don't, don't go right. This is somebody who is just literally a blank slate before he ran into kind of funny content. And now he's just made himself <laughs> out of it. A while ago, Greg did the video Persona 4 Changed My Life. So I was wondering if Colin and Tim had a game they felt that way about. Also, if Greg had another game like that. I wouldn't uh, leave him out of a question. His ego you. would get mad at me. Fuck you, Sean Finnegan. <laughs> Can't so, believe you're getting this ego thing to take. Huh? It, it took just, a long time, but the ego thing's finally taken. Yeah, oh, yeah. It happened. It happened. You guys want to go? I got plenty to say. Go. I mean, so for me, there's I, I Persona 4 would be the most recent game that changed my life. It's from the Aaron Fitzgerald interview where we talked about it and yada, yada, yada. Going back then, chronologically, game before that, well, you know, I'll start at the very beginning and I'll go forward, all right, to catch you up to Persona. Number one, and it's funny, but it's, it's Ghostbusters Sega Master System because it was the first time I ever was cognizant of video games being walked around Toys R Us, big Ghostbusters fan, going to buy real Ghostbusters toys with mom, probably a new Proton Pack or my third. And what, she took me down the video game aisle and I caught the logo on the box, turned, put my finger on the glass. And I was like, what is that? And she's like, that's a video game. And I'm like, I want that. From, it's Ghostbusters. I, I'm the Ghostbusters. I need that. I want that. I want that for my birthday. And they, you know, for my birthday, then later on, Uncle Mike gave me. Uncle Mike gave me the Master System, and Mom and Dad gave me the game, or vice versa. I forget. I hope it's vice versa. Yeah, right. My yeah. parents are like, you can buy him the expensive system. We'll buy yeah. him the expensive game. I, you're probably right. That makes mm-hmm. more sense. Uh, so like th- that set me on this course, right? And granted, I'm sure eventually I would have run into Mario, and then maybe it would have been a different What's course. Up, Mario? <gasps> hey, man. And he's like, oh, Mamma Mia, try it as a video game. I climb in your bed. I touch your joystick. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Mario. And then number two would be Metal Gear Solid. And I've told that story a bunch too, so I don't mean to you know, say the same things over and over again. But it came around when I was getting to that point with my N64 where it was like, games are great and I like this, but is this all they are? Is this all it's ever going to be? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm shooting stuff, but it's like, it's just gameplay you know what i mean which is great but like i I didn't even know what i wanted you know what i mean and then when i traded in the s64 and bought the playstation that night poe and i went out to blockbuster and got army men sarge's heroes or whatever whichever playstation one it was and metal gear i was like oh right i remember egm talking about this one and we played army men for 30 minutes like this sucks and put in metal gear and played it for the next like six hours yeah and that was the moment of like I will be with this forever. This is growing up with me. This is like a movie. This is giving me emotions and feels and telling me a story. Like this is a hobby or whatever you want to call it. Again, like I've had years now to put what I was, those emotions I didn't understand at the time into words, right? But yeah. this is something that is growing with me and will be with me the rest of my life. It's not always just going to be Mario hitting a question mark block. Not that I hate that, but you know what I mean? Like there's more to it than just shallow gameplay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. I mean, obviously, like, the, the seminal franchises were really important to me. Mario, Mega Man, Castlevania, all, Zelda, all that kind of stuff. But the games that actually stick out to me as being, like, life-changing kind of events for me, Kid Icarus is probably the first one. Um, I remember Kid Icarus being unlike anything I'd ever seen before in my young, in my young age at that time. And I was used to playing Mario and, and games like that. And, and I remember when we got Kid Icarus, I was like, this is... I was I was under I understood this game was hard. Um, this game was unique. It was fun. It was deep. 
Um, I love the dungeons at the end of it. When you do four, you know, stages, you go to like this dungeon where you, you know, we were basically like making maps for them and stuff like that. And it was, uh, it was a memorable and, and, and fascinating game for me because I was always surprised that it never really was revisited with the exception of the Game Boy sequel until, you know, a few years ago. Um, and then, uh, Super Mario World and The Link to the Past, uh, were really, really, really important games, uh, as I grew up because that's when, you know, I was already in love with the NES and lo- in love with the games at that time, but that was when I became an independent gamer, um, as opposed to being like kind of my brother playing games and him mm-hmm. introducing me to them where I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want. And that's when he and I kind of splintered off and he was playing Street Fighter 2 and he was playing Ron Half and all these kinds of games. And I was playing, you know, Zelda and, and, uh, not that he didn't play those either, but, and Mario and those kinds of games. So those were like really, really super important games to me. And, I, and I'll say too, Final Fantasy seven was a really huge game for me. Um, because as a role-playing game nerd, growing up and being young and being even young for some of these games, Final Fantasy seven was the moment when I realized that role-playing games were going mainstream and that was a good thing. And I'm happy that it happened. Um, and it also was the, this, the game that made me get a system like PS one. I wasn't going to go to PS one. I was going to be an N64 person and continue my Nintendo fandom. And, and that was such a blessing because the PS one was so, so, so superior to the N64 and I would have never known if if some of these games didn't hit and then I would have never been introduced to Wild Arms and I would have never introduced to Tales of Destiny and Thousand Arms and all these games that I really loved growing up so um, I would consider those the really seminal games and then uh, I, I would say most recently like a game that really blew my mind that I didn't expect that I was going to love was Grand Theft Auto 3 mm-hmm. um, that was unlike anything I'd ever played before or since and uh was really a profoundly special game that showed me that proved to me real like there were games that I would take a break from the role playing game kind of shit from and the strategy and, and tactics kind of games from so like Metal Gear Solid is a good example I'd play that or Parasite Eve um, which I really loved but Grand Theft Auto 3 was the game that showed me I'm like you don't really only love role playing games after all you know you really love this other shit too and then it, and it exposed me to playing games like you know uh, like shooters which I really wasn't playing and and uh Exposed me to, to some just more um, third third person kind of platformers, which I fucking definitely didn't like, you know, at the time. Um, my whole world was ro- role playing games and side scrollers, and that is still much of my world today. <laughs> uh, but there was more to it than that. And GTA Three really showed me that you don't have to just step away from this, these genres you like when a Zelda game comes out or when um, you know a, a great new side scroller comes out that you like. Or you're fucking impatiently waiting for new Mega Man games. Like, there's other shit out there too that isn't so neatly defined by these mm-hmm. few genres you spend so much time with. And so um, those games were really, those are the games that hit, that, that hit me as, as super, super important. I, I, and maybe, maybe more recently Bioshock, but um, that just showed me that a game can be so much more than a game. And uh, <laughs> Bioshock's really, really special. So I would draw the line there. Those aren't necessarily my favorite games. Yeah, but I mean, that's not the question. Yeah, you know, it's which ones change your life because some of the Bioshock ones on my list are definitely not the best games. Yeah. But I feel like no one's going to be surprised by anything that I have to say about this. this Pokemon, is, yeah, but yeah, obviously it's like Mario, Pokemon, duh. Like those are the things that changed my life when I was a little kid. Like this, they made me realize why I love video that, that I love video games, not sure, why, but sure. that I do. Um, really, kind of thinking back to the the key moments though, like. Obviously, Smash Brothers is what. No matter which game it is, I've told the story a bunch of times. But like that game, kind of represents to me, like who my friends are throughout my life. Because I grew, whether it's sixty four melee, 
uh, Brawl or the one on Wii U now, it's like, whoever my closest friends are at that time, those are the people that I'm playing that with. And there's been like a core group of those guys that have been through all of them and they'll just stick with me. And it's been really cool to see that game franchise grow as I grow and see, you know, just the, not only the games getting bigger and better and all this other stuff, but just like the fact that I still have just as much fun playing it. And a lot of times it has less to do with the game and more to do with we're all together having a lot of fun together. And that changed my life in that way. And sure. that it made it made me who I am based on who I hang out with and all that stuff. Um, the game that changed my life the most has to be Tony Hawk's Pro Skater because that game influenced who I am. When I first played it, I must have been 11. And it's like that was, you know, puberty was happening. There's all this like weird ball first stuff happening. And I'm like, what's going ball on? Ball first stuff. Um, but Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came at the perfect time for me where I was like, this is cool. I want to be cool. I want to be like that. And the music in that game and the way that they dressed and all of that stuff, it changed me. Like it, I went from being this like little kid into, a, you know, a punk ass little preteen. Skater boy. And uh, yeah, I thought it was so cool. Avril Lavigne wrote a song about me. I know, it's actually. weird. Um, but yeah, like I feel like that game, more so than any, changed my life in the sense that I had this life and now it was different. You know, all these other things, it's like changed my life as a video game fan or whatever. An example of that would be Crash Team Racing. Now, the reason that changed my life is I feel like that was the first time that I really played a game that I realized that I didn't just love video games. Like, thinking back to the old games, the Marios, the Crashes, the Sonics, I loved them all equally growing up. Yeah. But it wasn't until Crash Team Racing that I played it, I'm like, I like this better than Mario Kart 64. And I love Mario Kart 64. You're like, I'm a traitor. What do I do? But it was a moment when I realized that I can actually discern between these. And granted, I was really young at this time, so I know I sound stupid right now. But there was that moment where it's like, I don't just blindly love all these things equally. I can look back and actually tell you which Mario games I like better than the other ones. Right, right, right. Compare them to Mar to Crash or Sonic and be like, all right, <laughs> Mario is much better than these, these series. But when I was really little playing through them for the first time, they're all the same to me. They're all... Things that I loved, I loved. I love these characters. I love the games. But it wasn't until Crash Team Racing that I was like, oh, my God. Like, I think this is the better kart racer. I think Mario 64 is better than Crash Bandicoot. I think that Mario World is slightly better than Mario 3. And, like, I could have these, like, deep thoughts about video games, not just, oh, I like video games. It's, I like these specific video games, and here's why. And I think that was a big turning point in my life in terms of the way I think about stuff. Um, I must be... Missing a whole bunch of them, but like that—that's the thing about games. Britney's it's dance like, beat. Britney's dance beat definitely. Uh, that really you helped know. your balls. It did. The ball fur thing was was huge. I actually did rent ball that game for ball fur. I thought you said balls first, and I was like, I don't know what the hell that. Oh means. no 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 no! A colloquialism the here fur for on San Francisco. Now I'm with you. The yeah. peach fuzz. Yeah. The old walnuts getting a bit shaggy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. Do you guys have any any other? Ones you want to add to that? Well, I, I mean, yeah, we're talking about games that have like. I mean, like you know, it's it's one of those. I think that's so recent. It's hard, but I mean, like Gone Home was like mm. you know really uh, made me feel things in a very specific way. You know, probably the most guttural emotion re emotional reaction for me recently. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I feel Journey is a good one. Yeah, Journey. Yeah, yeah Journey is a great example. I'm just trying to think more about the games that shifted my thinking about games. Final Fantasy IV is a good example. You know, watching my brother play that when I was young, we bought it, and I didn't know that games were capable of that much storytelling and that much depth. And that was really, really 
maybe that was even though we were playing Dragon Quest at the time, like that was really the thing where I was like, this is more than just grinding and finding shit and mm-hmm. going to the next dungeon. This is a story with fucking death in it and all sorts of fucked up shit. And I mean, that's a that's a real like the beginning of the Final Fantasy four. You're like fucking te- you're terrorists. You know, like, yeah. like, and you don't even know that until you do the deed already. You basically blow up a fucking whole town and Spoiler. kill everyone in it. Sorry, the game came out in 1991. You had 24 years. <laughs> uh, you know, and, I, and that was, I was, I remember being a kid being like, Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? And that was the game I've told many, many times a story about how my brother used to wake me up after everyone went to bed and I'd sneak into his room and, and he would play it mm-hmm. together, you know, and, and I would just watch him play. And I was like, this is, there's betrayal in that game. And, and, you know, Kane betrays Cecil twice. I mean, there's. There's, you know, te- like Tella's death and the and the twins fucking committing suicide to save the rest of the fucking the rest of the party and stuff like that. I'm like, there's like, I'm like, I didn't know. I thought we were just gonna play Mario for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and this game was being like, no, we have bold things to say and yeah. and fucked up shit to say, you know. And you're gonna be mad at the game for killing these characters, although some of them didn't end up really dying. Uh, but at the time, it's like it's very it's very emotional. And I remember, I remember being like, wow, that. That I didn't know that that was capable. It was the same thing when I was talking about with Bioshock, where I was like, I didn't know that we could tell a story like this. You know, I didn't know it's still like Bioshock still is arguably like the greatest story of any game, I think, and and uh, just the environment and and the environmental storytelling and how bold it was that it didn't really want you to fight and stuff like that. It didn't. That's what which is why Bioshock Infinite was so disappointing to me. So there's games like that that don't necessarily aren't congruent necessarily with the, my favorite games of all time. Although mm-hmm. I've named a few games that are yeah, my games. Yeah, I mean it goes hand in hand when you're talking yeah, about something so big like that. Yeah, uh, one that I left out, I can't believe, is Halo, the first one. Like that game. When I think back on what are my favorite video game moments and memories, I always go back to Halo. And I earlier mentioned the my little Thanksgiving yeah. weekend long things. That's Halo. You know, it's me and my friends playing these games, and that influenced who I was at that time in a lot of ways. But that really was my first multiplayer first person shooter experience so to me i'll always have those memories tied to that game but the whole shooter thing that's been going on for years before that i think the game that changed my life more than almost any of these games is counter strike and i don't even play counter strike but counter strike stole alfredo diaz away from me for an entire year like we had been best friends for the first like 2 years of high school and then all of a sudden he got addicted to this game and I just stopped seeing him. Like, and it's like it's not even a joke. Like, it changed our friendship. It changed our dynamic. And it was really interesting that a game literally changed my life in a bad way. Yeah, you know. And it what then it what Halo kind of brought it back for us. So, thank you, Halo. Thank you. You Halo. saved our relationship. Thank you, Mister Chips. Yeah. So this topic has been sponsored by Audible. Do you love books but find that you never have time to read them? Yes. Well, Audible.com has the perfect solution. Get audiobooks and listen to those books you've been meaning to read while on the go. Audible.com provides over 180,000 audio programs from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Their app is free and works on iOS devices, Android, and Windows Phone. You can also download and listen to it on your Kindle Fire and over 500 MP3 players. And unlike a streaming or rental service with audible you actually own the books you so you can access them whenever you want even without internet access and it has a great listen guarantee so if you don't like the book you choose you can exchange it at any time no questions asked so go to audible.com slash kf games today to get a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership again show some support and get a free audiobook and 30-day trial at audible.com slash kf games nailed it yeah Kn- knocked out of the park tim good thanks. job thanks greg final topic for the day Right now, there's this little thing going on called Summer Games Done Quick 2015. 
speed. You might know it as SGDQ. Uh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's where it's a speed running thing, and uh, they've been doing this whole thing for charity for a couple of years now, and it started out really small. Now it's this thing where the week it's going on, every major outlet's covering it and sure. talking about it. Twitter is ablaze with all this this stuff. My so question: why the Fire department just rolled by. Yeah, man, they're like they're on the way. Twitter's on fire. These, Go! Too many people are talking hot. about this game's done quick. It's so lit. Uh, <laughs> with you guys, what are your thoughts on speed runs? And have you ever speed ran anything? They're abominations. My God, Greg. Yeah, Speedruns are cool. I've never had a mind for games that way. Like when you and I did the God of War stream where we went down there and the speedrunners came through, the guys who do games done mm-hmm. quick came through and did the God of War games. You, I, I thought that, like, I, <laughs> when I think speedruns, I'm like, oh man, you're really good at a game and you go, and they're just breaking the shit out of games and, tr- you know, glitching through walls and flying all over the places they shouldn't even be able to fly. And it's like, damn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's cr- it's one of those skills that is so crazy to think about the time and dedication put into that than to get your to get down and get down and get down like that's insane to drive your time down that way. It's interesting because I mean I'm not a a pro when it comes to this stuff and I don't really know I'm not the hugest fan of this so there's a whole group of things that I just don't understand when it comes yeah, to yeah. speedruns because there's there's different types. There's the 100% runs, then there's the just finish the game, like get to the credits. Then there's no glitch. Yes, glitch. Like all these different like parameters you can kind of put around it. And one game can be speed ran ten different ways, right. and there can be ten different communities for that game within that because the people that glitch aren't the same guys that just do the hundred percent or just the credits and all that stuff. Right. And so we were talking. We watched these God of War guys, and the way they were doing it was just total glitch. It's just get to the end as fast as possible, and you're not really playing the game. You were playing oh, yeah. a completely different game at that point. I enjoy watching the ones that are actually just more like don't break the game. Just sure, just play, play. normally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, man, there's something really bad going Kevin, on. Kevin, just there. leave the window open. It's fine. People, have, so. the the jigs up. Everybody, we live in a crack den. <laughs> the police and fire department are outside. <laughs> we've, been, we've been found. <laughs> um, but I'm always interested in seeing games that I've beaten a ton of times to kind of to see how people play it differently than I do. Yeah, and um. I'm just not good at games that way. Like oh, I could no. never, God, never no. play. But I love watching the YouTube videos. Like recently, I just did a a run of Crash Bandicoot One. Definitely no speed involved. Sure. Just want to play through it. But the Crash Bandicoot speed run just happened a couple days ago, and I started watching. I'm like, Good lord! Like these guys are good. But then it's weird because if you saw them just play. They're not that good. They're good at doing one very specific thing. Like they know the route and they practice that route. Yeah, yeah. and it's crazy. It's just fucking nuts. Do you, do you have anything, Colin? Yeah, I mean, I've always really been interested in speedrunning. It's the same thing I always say, like, with the same admiration I show towards the fighting game community. I kind of show towards the the, the speedrunning community because I think it's it's a great discipline when you kind of jump into a game and learn how to just fucking destroy it. Um, that said, I, I it's not for me necessarily. There are games I think that I play very expertly. I think I play, you know, Mega Man games and Castlevania games, with, like, expertly. Um, but I'm not necessarily trying to get through them the quickest way. I... I, I uh, What's more important to me when I'm playing a game is to play it, like, elegantly, and I think I play Mega Man really elegantly, and I think I play Castlevania elegantly, and with that, to me, that definition means killing all the enemies, going fast, but not being a hasty, not tr- trying not to get hit when I can, It's sometimes you do, and it's and you just keep going, it's not a huge deal, but, um, especially some of the Mega Man games, like, some of them I just get hit intentionally so I can keep going, because that is more of an elegant way to play the game, as opposed to just, like, bogging it down for a while, but, um, I've never been super interested in it, I had the, I had... I was on the world leaderboard for Mega Man 10. I might probably still am, actually. Um, I beat that game very quickly. 
Um, I obsessed over beat getting on them because there was a leaderboard. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to do it now. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I'm not trying to like break the game or whatever. I, I have a lot, you know, you guys were talking about your experience with the God of War stream. When I did the Bloodstained stream at Twitch, um, they brought in a bunch of speedrunners for various Metroidvania games. So we saw like even new games like Ori and the Blind Forest just getting fucking broken. And it's super interesting to watch the way that they play it so surgically. And, um, the way that they get mad at themselves when they, they don't hit a, a, a benchmark or a milestone or whatever, you know, and, and they feel like they're behind or whatever, or the, the, the adulation, the, 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 the excitement when they are beating their time. Um, I sit down and watch these things when they're going on sometimes just random games. And I would, it's not something that I, that's not the way I want to play a game. I'm, I consider myself a completionist. I want to do everything in a game. I don't, I, I to get through these games, you do as little as possible. Typically, unless you're doing hundred percent runs, which aren't, as common, it seems like, in what I'm seeing, as opposed to just how fast can you beat the fucking game. Um, so a great deal of respect for that community. That community is growing. That's one of the things I was talking to those guys about. It's like, how do you find each other? How do you identify games that you want to play? There's a lot of interesting questions. It's the same questions. There is a lot of overlap, I think, with the fighting community in terms of the questions you ask and, and, the, and the community and how some of these people really latch on to these games for years and mm-hmm. years. And records that are set 10 or 15 years ago are, are, that seem like they're untouchable suddenly just get broken. Yeah. Um, in very organic ways when people figure out games... Uh, um, a new uh, if they do ROM dumps and kind of really study the shit out of them one game we were just talking about Kid Icarus in the last topic and I watched the guy just break Kid Icarus you know what I mean I was like Jesus that's a fucking hard game you know and the way he was playing it and the little things they were doing to just cheat the system I was like this is really pretty remarkable stuff so it's for, uh, from a technical level from a systems level it's fun to watch it's not for me it's not something I'm really interested in doing I'm more interested in like if I'm going to be if I'm going to claim I'm good at a game it's because I think I, I play it in a in a very uh, comprehensive and elegant way, which again is undefined, and I don't play all games that way at all. Yeah, most of the games I play, I, I don't play that way. But I think I'm a very competent gamer overall. But um, I feel like I'd be crushed by the pressure of sitting down and being like, "Well, I'm great at Mega Man Three, so let's just speed run it and see what I can do," because I can't beat the game nearly as fast as these other guys can. But mm-hmm. I, but I can play it, you know. Um, so it's all about speed running to me is all about like the the nth degree of. Not necessarily, not necessarily skill, which I think is what you're saying, but skill in a different way that no one, which is like, how do you break it? How do you, how do you cut and shave seconds, milliseconds, and how do they combine to make uh, your time shorter? And one of the cool things when I was talking to those speedrunners that I had a lot of respect for at Twitch uh, was like, what is the community like? For instance, if you if you learn how to break Ori in the Blind Forest, which is a new game in a, in a different way, do you keep that to yourself? You well, know? so that, that was interesting with us with the God of War guys is they were telling us that there's all these different separate communities within the speedrunning. So there's people that, I think they're called like glitchers? Yeah. So there's people that, they don't even speedrun themselves. They just like breaking the game and they finding find out pieces all the different things people. you can do. And they'll come up with things and like name them like whether after themselves or after something, and it'd be like the the jury method or whatever it is, and then they'll give them to the the speedrunners, and they'll like link these different methods and things together to kind of create their own thing. Uh, but then there is like secrets and there is stuff that's like they don't tell people how they do it, but it's like obvious that they can because you can see them play the game. And what was also really cool is they'd be playing through the game and they have it so unlocked that they're just kind of like talking to us and like totally not caring. But there'd be certain parts where it's like, all right, guys, serious time. Serious time. It's serious time. And that's kind of like a a well-known thing within the community where it's like, if it's serious time, everyone shuts the fuck up. Like, this is a challenging uh, section that they need to get through. And it was awesome when things would just break down. Everyone would be like, oh, crap. So you knew that like this was like 
stake. The stakes were high there. Yeah. And you'd watch, and then if he'd fail, it was such a big, the whole room would be like, ah. Oh. But if he made it, it was like, fuck yeah, yeah you were the shit. Yeah. And like, that's cool. And you see it in the in all these awesome games done quick, or yeah, uh, videos where the whole room is just like, the entire video is the most awkward thing in the world to watch because it's one guy playing a game, super serious. He's not talking. He's not doing like all the the kind of funny, nimbly, bimbly, crazy shit where we're screaming and stuff. They're just sitting there playing, and there's a room full of people like this. I like sometimes there's commentators. And it's just like, they'll just sit there, you know? Yeah. But then all of a sudden something happens. They're all like, ah! And it's yeah, like, yeah. those are the cool moments. Yeah. And like, that's, it's very exciting to see. I never had the mind to speed run. I never really thought about it. I think the closest I ever came was in Tony Hawk 3 to unlock the, the characters and unlock all the like Darth Maul and all the crazy stuff. You'd have to beat the game with each character. So there's a lot of games, like fighting games are that way and a lot of the arcade stuff. So I did find myself trying to find ways to shave off time and beat the game as quick as possible. And I got it down that I could beat it. Not that this is like a crazy time, but like I remember being able to beat it in 50 minutes. So every day I was like, all right, I'm going to beat it with three more characters. Yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah. I know how long that's going to take me. Yeah. And I would just kind of cycle it all through. But besides that, the only other challenges I've ever given myself like that would be Smash Bros. Melee, which wasn't a time thing. It was more like I was like, I'm going to beat Classic Mode on very hard. And I, I did eventually, but I remember having to play like every night, like yeah, trying to, yeah, like, yeah. to finally do it. And Super Mario Bros. won, which is the thing that we need. We need to do this. Me versus you, sure. race to beat it. Because here's the thing: Do you want to do it organically? We'll, do, we'll play all the stages organically. Yeah. So yeah. no, no, no warping. Wait, 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 hold on. No, we warp. We have to. We warp. warp. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because that's the thing: is it's like I just, I feel like I'm pretty good at that game, just beating it. I'm not good at the game. I'm good at beating the game. There's a difference there. I mean, I'm rusty I, at it. I know so, I mean, you're better I, than me I, at I'm, Mario. I'm rusty at it, so we'll see. We'll <laughs> see what uh, happens. We'll I, haven't, I haven't played the original Mario in a while. But that is like muscle memory. I will say that I, I learned diff- similar things that you guys were learning from from talking the speedrunners. That it seems like it's a very collaborative and friendly community. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they were saying to me that yeah, sometimes they'll learn they'll they'll figure out a secret and they'll. They won't tell anyone about it until it is inevitably revealed in a video, and then they're like, "Well, this is what I figured out to cut my time down." And then everyone emulates it, and I think that's. It's cool. It seems like a very positive community. And I think yeah. that's really, really neat. It's not the way I play games. I'm more, in, again, more into the comprehensive kind of style of like platinum in game or doing like 100% game. I like doing that. I hate, get, I don't get involved in almost any game without the intention of doing that. And it doesn't always work out that way or even usually work out that way, but that is always the intent um, to do every side quest, to find every item, to find every heart piece, all those kinds of things. That's more the way I play. And that's the antithesis of speedrunning a game. Mm-hmm. All right. As always, this last topic is going to be a bunch of random questions from the community. If you want to leave your topic, go to the Kind of Funny Forums at kindoffunny.com slash forums. Our girl Lindsay over there. See, you, wait, that confused you, right? Yeah. Because Greg does that all the time, and I don't know exactly what if he's about. It seems like he's going to say something. I was stressing something. the point you were making. Oh, no, but I yeah, The that. problem is that I stressed the point while you were talking, so you looked up, and it looked like I was about to You look like in. you're about but, like, to you, say you're something. You're going to go back and watch it, and I'm totally your wingman, no, I'm for sure. hype man. On that. I, I appreciate that. It confuses that. me when you do that. It scares me sometimes, too. Everybody get used to it. I'm throwing new things in. A girl Lindsay over there on the forums reorganized the whole thread, so it's really nice. This is a new system where people can once a month submit a question, so it's their question of the month, so it's not just the same people all the time. And it's been really good. They've thought more about their questions. They put out nice, detailed questions, and I I appreciate that. A couple of the topics from this show, like last topic, the Sean Finney Likes Hiking one, that was our first ever topic from the community that we used it as a full topic. Okay. Okay. Not just these little ones. So I like this. Shout out to you guys. SF. Dave Martinson, a.k.a. Martin Swagger. Yeah, nice name. 
With fewer developers using resources on this feature, is split screen dead? Does it really matter it was split screen a product of the times? This is probably based off the whole Halo 5 not having... I don't think split screen is dead. A lot of people still put split screen in the games and do things with it. But the problem is that as we demand prettier games with better frame rates and better graphics, that's when it gets to the point where, well, we can't split that and have it look good and do that. Mm. Also, how many people are actually using it? Yeah, you can't render in the game twice like that is very intensive. Could be very intensive. Um, Yeah, I I mean, I personally think split screen should be dead. I, I don't I don't see how in this robust world of online gaming where everyone wants to be interconnected where like playing with your buddy on the couch is really as important as the online infrastructure of a game um so i think halo is doing a doing the world a service by getting rid of that stuff because it's like well we're moving on now and and you're going to play with your buddies you're just going to play on your own tvs you know um nothing wrong with that then you have a full screen and and the full processing power of of the system to run the game technically this is embargoed but i won't say anything about the game but you already said that me and alfredo went and played gears of world edition right and so, like, that's a game where I'd want to play side-by-side TVs and such. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's split-screen in it, sure. And there was. And what's interesting about it is, and I remember thinking about this while I was watching you play, is the way that the screen was split is it's still, like, him on top, you on bottom, but, like, there's, like, letter boxes on the sides. Yeah, they did it where they didn't, like, crop and zoom and make it ugly. Yeah, and it's, been, it f- it's interesting seeing the, like, evolution of split-screen because, you know, back in the day, it was a 4x4 four four screen or 4x3 screen, so... The just the square, the crosshair square didn't really like change things too right, much. You exactly. just had four squares. Then once things moved over to widescreen, like I guess last gen was when it was fully a thing. Sure. Before then it was like a you know premium thing. Right. Uh we, we kind of saw more of a split down the middle thing where it would like like Mario Kart, you see this, where before it was like top and bottom, then it kind of turned into left, right, left and right. Yeah. Um and now I like I liked what they were doing. It with robs that. you of real estate the other way. They talked about the fact that yeah, you know, they split it and zoom in, but then you lose what's happening. And they like Borderlands splits it and zooms in, and, and it's fucking impossible to read like what's happening in your inventory on these pop ups, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the thing. Christine and I were playing Borderlands, right? But we both wanted the best experience, so we just played on TV side by side. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I like that. If I want that local co op experience, I'd rather go that way. Worked great in Gears. Like me, Alfredo, and I had a great time. Let's play at youtubecom slash games on Monday, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, it's like okay. I, if I was, if we were, if Alfredo and I were going to play in the same house, I would just say let's move two TVs in together. But I mean, him asking if it's a sign of the times, I think that that's it's a sign of the times in terms of what we can do. Because yeah, back in high school, I would have loved to be able to just be like, yeah, we'll just play it on separate TVs. That's cool. Yeah, but that wasn't the case when you're a little kid. You don't have access to all that. You know, stuff, giant, so. and they were also giant tube TVs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like it's a little bit different. But I remember when Counter Strike came out on Xbox, and it there wasn't split screen, and I was like. What? Like the hell? Yeah, it yeah. doesn't even make sense. And I, I was so pissed at that that I'm like, no, I don't want to just play online. I want to play with you guys and like all this stuff. I don't right. want to buy two copies. Sure, that's the other thing. You need two copies if you're going to play in the same house. I think that's a bigger deal than the whole uh, real estate or like, sure. different TVs. Great thing, point. I hope it never goes away. But I mean, it, that's the sign of the times. I just don't know how many people use it. You know? What yeah, I, mean? I don't even know. And I can't. I can't speak to what's happening I went with these that goddamn too. kids anymore. Yeah, finished basements doing all their damn things. All right, Dan Phillips, season passes. How bad do they suck? They don't. You're stupid. I don't think they suck at all. You're not stupid, Dan. Yeah. I don't think, no, I don't think they suck. I mean, it is it is a wait and see approach. Mm-hmm. Wait and see what they announce for it and then go from there. Like, I don't, that's the thing for me. Like, Witcher 3's out, right? Right. And I'm saying when it came out, right? I bought the season pass. 
because I was so blown away with the game as is that I'm going to chip away at it for years probably. So yeah, even if I never touch the season pass, I want you to have that money so you know you did a good job. And same thing with Batman, right? Batman Arkham Knight comes out. Everybody flips out that it's a $40, $50 season pass or whatever it was. And then they're like, all right, here's what we're doing. Batgirl, a couple things, more villains. I'm like, done, sure. Again, your game's awesome. Take the money. I don't mind. You know what I mean? Like, the season passes content I want to get to, but more than likely it's content I don't get to, but I want to tip my hat to the developers. I did the same thing with Borderlands 2. Borderlands 2, I bought that season pass because there was some there was bonuses up front I wanted, and then there was going to be all these expansion packs down the line, and I never even touched them. But yeah. I, I like knowing that it's it's like Colin always talked about with cable. I like knowing it's there. I like knowing that I saved a, a buck or two on something I may or may not play. But it's also really honestly just that I love your game so much right now. Love it so much. But I want to give it to you. Yeah. Now I don't buy season passes if I don't know what's going to be in them, and I think, ooh, like WWE 2K had a season pass, right? I didn't like rush out to buy that. I was like, uh, let's see what thing, what's it's, this it's, game. It's your option to buy it or not. If you just want to buy one piece, wait and buy that one piece. But I, I like the idea, and you were kind of getting at this, that it makes you buy the stuff that you weren't necessarily gonna buy, but now you can play it because yeah. you have it. And I think for me, I w- I wish that Smash Bros had a season pass. I know I'm going to buy everything they put out for it. Sure. So to me, it sucks having to go in and buy it each time. Minor complaint, I know. But what does cause an issue for me is I don't need the Me Fighter costumes. I'm not going to use them. I never use that character. Yeah, That's yeah. not my thing. But I still want to have them because yeah, they're yeah. available. So it's like... That's the thing of now I'm questioning buying these little things I don't need. Whereas if it was a season pass, it'd be like, whatever. Cool, For me, it's, like, it's it. like it's like what happens with our Patreon folks or it's like people on, like on Kickstarter when I back at a tier, not necessarily because I want that goodie or whatever, but because I want to support them at that tier. And then I get a whole bunch of stuff. I was like, oh, I didn't even know I was going to get that. Whatever. That's cool. You know what I mean? Like, I like supporting the games and developers I love, like Mario Golf World Tour, right? They're like season pass. I was already like 50 hours in. I'm like, yep. Thank you. Thank you for this amazing game. You know what I mean? And then I love the courses and I love the characters. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't necessarily agree. Uh, Jim Jim Sterling, when I interviewed him, brought up a good example about, and I don't know, we were talking about online passes, actually, I think, which are totally different, but we, we were saying, like, when something's introduced, it's all, it's all it's it doesn't take long for it to be totally fucking bastardized. The Batman example is a fucking complete bastardization of the online pass. You have to have some fucking balls to charge people $40, $50 for an online pass. Uh, or for a, for a season pass yeah. for for uh, DLC, and I don't even really care like what's in it. If you're if you're like if you, you're justifying its price as being almost as much as a full game, then make a fucking full game. You know what I mean at that point. But it's not going to be the full game. It's certainly not going to be the density of um, of content that you would get in the sixty dollars game that you just bought. That is now seventy percent the price of what you or what you're paying for it again. In other words, to get the full Batman experience, you're going to pay a hundred dollars. You know, like to, me, a, like to me, I'm like, I don't know about that. Like, I, I think that that's weird. I understand the money savings and you can mm-hmm. no one's forcing you to buy this shit. Yeah. People clearly are buying them because they're continuing to be evolved and, 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 and available for people as they exist. But I'm not I'm not so sure that. Listen, like, I, I, I mean, let me back up. I don't really agree with what Greg's saying, because it's like you're not rewarding the pub, the developer, you're rewarding the publisher, you know, and. The developer is going to get some trickle down, but like if you're paying buying all this stuff for Witcher or whatever, like that's Witcher's a bad example. They're really kind of self publishing that game. But if if like Batman, for instance, it's not really going to to Rocksteady. It's going to WB, you know, at, for content that they already paid for. And you know, I'm sure that there's some sort of profit sharing model. It's just to me, I think that I understand why people are upset about this and why a lot of people don't like it because it's like WB came out with the Batman thing. It was like, oh, we're char- how much was it? Fifty. 
No, it's 40, 40? I believe. So $40, and no, no one even knew it was, oh, our season pass, 40 bucks. Everyone's like, what, you fucking kidding me? You know? And I think that that's a rational, totally rational thing, because at the end of the day, then your Batman Arkham Knight experience was $100. Yeah. $100. This is something that we didn't get to in the in topic two of this show, where we were talking about the digital pricing and stuff, but originally, when you were talking about it, that was going to be what we the, the point of the topic, which was, do you think we'll see a lot more $25 digital games? And also, could we see $100 digital games? And, like, because digitally, you can kind of put whatever price sure. you want. And I think in terms of this, it's like the Batman thing. Is Batman with all the stuff worth $100? That's the question, right? May, yeah, no, it's a great question because that's what I was talking about. We talked about it on Colin and Greg as well where I'm like, people are excited about digital pricing because, and rightfully so because it's going to make games cheaper because there's going to be fewer middlemen. So. You don't have to pay GameStop and the fucking you don't have to pay the gas and the trucker and all this kind of shit in the factory yeah, and that's fucking trucker. And so it's it's, it's yeah. all it's all those things that really need to be taken into account in the economic model of how we how we digest our retail games. And I'm like, okay, so that's great. I'm excited to see the return of the thirty and forty dollar game. I really want to see what that looks like. And I said, I'm like, I want to see what a hundred dollar game looks like. Like, what is your game that it's going to be a hundred dollars? What does that mean? And Knowing what's in this Arkham Knight thing and having played almost to the very end of Arkham Knight, I have no desire to really beat it at this point. I don't know why. Because uh, that's how you are with AAA games. It's, yeah, yeah, generally. It's, is that a $100 game? I don't think so. See, you know, for me so it like, is, and that's why, like, I I bought my Arkham Knight. I didn't get it for free. Like, WB couldn't get us codes in time, so I was like, oh, thanks, no big deal. And I bought the premium edition PlayStation whatever, the $90 ahead of time one, which is all of it bundled together. And for sure, I'm talking, and you're talking about how much could you charge a game without other stuff. The 50 hours I put into Batman Arkham Knight, before, I mean, before the DLC, totally worth my $100. Right, but you're putting... Not that I'm disputing the amount of time you put into the game, but most of that time was finding Riddler trophies and getting three stars on AR challenges, no? Because there's no way you spend more than 15, 15 or 20 hours at the most on that game. If you're just yeah, doing I mean, like, what, yeah, it's two, runs, it's two runs of the story. Oh, a new whatever, game plus, like, so you're yeah, playing yeah, the game yeah. again. So, yeah. yeah, so to me, it's like, I'm not necessarily disputing the way you feel in terms of, like, that's your prerogative. Well, sure, I mean, what's, gonna what, feel whatever, is, whatever you pay is what it's worth. Sure, and uh, that's exactly right, because I was going to say, if they released a Mega Man 11 and it was an epic game, I'd pay fucking $200 to get that game at yeah. this point. Like, I don't even care. Just take whatever you want. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> so, uh, so, but that game to a lot of people was $10, yeah. even though that game back in the day was $60, $70 on NES, and that was in 1988, 1989 money. So again, we have to have some context, but yeah, I get why he feels this way. And I think that's a common theme, you no, know, it Be- definitely and, is. and because, and I, I'm not mad at DLC. I'm not mad at a uh, fucking day one DLC. I've never been mad at that. I'm not mad at any of these things. I am mad at how much people might be paying for these things. Because like, for instance, if you're paying for like a new set of missions that take an hour and the game is 20 hours long then doesn't that mean the piece of content theoretically is worth like three bucks, you know, but you're par- charging nine ninety nine or something like that for it. I get it. I get why people are upset about it. Totally. You know, and as, as I've gone on, I don't typically buy DLC. The last time I bought like all of the DLC for a game was like fallout new Vegas. Mm. So that was five years ago. I'm not like really much of a DLC guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've, as I've thought about it and kind of changed my own opinions on these things, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I think that we're getting a little too bold. Don't pricing. you think it's dialed it back though? I feel like we were bold in the beginning when it was. Oh, you're getting a skin. You're getting like the dumb shit. You didn't want horse armor. You know what I mean? I feel like now more than ever there is an argument to be made that no, no, this stuff's worth the money. And well, I'm, I'm talking broad. Not, we'll see. Okay. That's why I like the idea of expansion packs. Oh right? yeah, expansion packs are good. Like as opposed to DLC, like but like it seems like a lot of the DLC which I can't play because I didn't pre-order the fucking game on Batman uh, is, which is another stupid yeah i mean there's a thing for sure uh is 
like I've been hearing like you can get through this in like an hour, you know, like yeah, Batgirl story. Yeah, like it's like okay. I mean, I still need to go back to get all the other stuff I need. I still need to pop balloons and get teeth and do all this other shit. Sure, but it reminds me. It reminds me of. It reminds me of my complaints with Infamous. What was it? No, no, no. Uh, Because First Light was awesome. Second Sun. Second Sun. No, no. Infamous Festival of Blood. Oh, thank you. And Infamous Festival of Blood was an expansion pack, but it was like an hour and a half long. And I remember we had, you know, we like I like I said in my real one, you can be this in like ninety minutes, you know. See, I yeah. love so like, that though. I remember Ratchet and Clank, the uh, Quest for Booty came out, and I was all about that. It's like here's this was like at the tail end of the Ratchet and Clank. I remember. Like, oh my god, you're doing way too much. Like I get it, I get it. This is like here's just a little more. Yeah, here's enough that's not gonna be we're getting, overdone. We're tiding you just, over to the real game. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed that. I don't know. I was pissed about that with Festival of Blood because it was fun. It was the last time we ever saw Cole, but. Uh, it was like ninety minutes long, and I'm like, "This is this is." I forgot how much was it. I don't remember. It was like maybe fourteen ninety nine or something like yeah. that. I want to say. I remember and you like, and I, I remember you and I had di- not had a fight about it, but I remember I disagreed with your review. That was my thing when we were talking about it. and We were going back and forth, and I mean that I I would have gone higher on it. Like I loved that. I loved uh, episodic, and I guess that's what I'm talking about too. When you're saying the money's going to the the publisher, not the developer, that's fine for me. I want them to see how much I want this content. I would have. I mean, if they would have just kept making. 90 minute coal missions or first lights or whatever. I'm like, yep, here you go. Here you go. Here sure. You go. And I want to be clear that there's probably deals where the money goes to both. Oh, there's sure, probably, sure, sure. And, and when you buy a game, the money's going to the publisher too. So it's not, it's not necessarily that there's any, any sort of money being shared. Sometimes the games are paid for ahead of time. Um, but I am just saying that like, yeah, it's just, a, it's a strange, it's a, the way we've parsed out content is strange and unpredictable and mm-hmm. inconsistent. True, true. And, so I get really excited about something like what Fall, like what Bethesda did with Fall, where they're like, especially Point Lookout on Fall Three, which I think was fucking awesome. I thought Point Lookout was even arguably better than the regular game mm. because it was a whole new map, and it that was, was the it, one where you got in you VR, went to Maryland. Right? Yeah. And, no, no, VR was Operation Anchorage. So okay. Point Lookout was the one where you went to Maryland and like the swamps, uh, and it was like a whole new map. And I was like, this is fucking rad. This is like, I'd rather instead of having this piecemeal bullshit. Just give me something fucking new that's like a half step towards the next game. And so that's even what The Witcher's really doing. Yeah, that's your why I'm DLC about it. is free, and then you're getting expansions with your season pass. Exactly. And Dying Light's doing the same thing, and I think that that's, that's a more positive way, because at least you're getting some meat on the fucking sure. bone. Yeah, that makes you know sense. What I mean? yeah, totally. And when I look at like WB stuff with, with Batman, we haven't seen it all, obviously, but when I'm reading about like, well, the Red Hood DLC, whatever, Batgirl, whatever the fuck it is, I don't even know what all of it is, Scarecrow, it's like, it is nothing. You know? Like, and people are paying good money for this stuff. Sure. So they better have way more. You know, or people are going to be pissed. Hmm. And the thing that's important, I think, is we always say, speak with your wallet. It's an important thing to do. But also remember who who treated you good and who treated you bad. There's a lot of that. That was what I was saying when, you know, during the Mass Effect 3 kerfuffle, which, you know, as we talked about with the Jim Jim Sterling video, I definitely was ineloquent and, and, and wish I could have done that differently. But the one thing that I wanted to really tell people was, like, if you hated this so much, you better remember the next time EA tries to release a game that you want because... That's the only way to make them pain, and and fucking as sure as shit, you're all gonna buy Mass Effect Andromeda. Yep. You know, so it's it's we also as consumers, I think, need to be more principled if we really find something that's fucked up. If we don't like the online pass, we don't like the DLC, we don't yep. like the season pass, then you gotta fucking hit it, hit them where it hurts. But we don't have the fortitude, I think, generally to do that. I don't. Sometimes I get mad about a game. I'm mad at Nintendo for the, not, not speaking to me. I'll give them fucking hand over fist money if they if the NX is something I want. It's you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the kind of funny games cast. If you want your questions answered, go to kindoffunny.com/forms, fill out a topic, let us know what your what your questions are. We'll answer them on the show. Until next week, I love you all. I love your bodies. I love the things you do with them. I love your minds. I love those even more. Keep doing those things you're doing. I like that.
I see that wink you're giving me through the computer right now. It's making me feel good. It's making me feel good in all the right places. Kevin, you can cut this whenever you want. Don't Just cut me know it, that. Kevin. But you don't need to. You don't need to at all. Let the we have a, we have a conference call go. right after this. Let it roll into that. <laughs> 